excited to talk to you guys about peace uh, for the next few minutes. And I believe, I said this once, I'm going to say it again. If anxiety or fear is something that you deal with on a regular basis. Now, we all deal with it on a regular basis because it's in our face, right? Uh, but it's how we respond. If the way you have traditionally or historically responded to fear and anxiety has been to let it in and allow it to have a place in your life, I believe that today you can leave here making different choices. And it doesn't even have... Sometimes it's a process, right? It doesn't. Also, there's sometimes we just see the miraculous happen. And I believe we can leave here and never respond to that fear and anxiety the same way again. And here's another precursor. If you start feeling like you respond a little bit better and you fall back into some old ways of responding and allowing fear in, remember this. There were times Jesus spoke to sickness, disease, and there was an instant miracle, right? He spoke and things happened. He was the Son of God. There was also this time... When Jesus spoke to a fig tree, it wasn't, it didn't have any fruit on it in the proper season. And, or maybe it wasn't even this season, but it didn't have fruit. And Jesus looked at this fig tree and said, you'll never bear fruit again. The following day, the disciples walked past that tree and were astounded that it was withered. It didn't wither right when Jesus said, you'll never bear fruit again. It took 24 hours, right? This speaks to a process. Now, when Jesus spoke, that fig tree was dead. But for a tree to look withered, something has to happen below the surface. The roots have to die. And then this, this rot or, or whatever, this dryness spreads from this dry root system up to what is above the surface. So even though there was an instantaneous miracle, there was an instantaneous moment that this tree responded to the words of Jesus, it took some time and there was a process before anything could be seen on the surface. And sometimes we hear a message, like you're about to hear, that if you apply it, will help you overcome fear and anxiety every time it faces you. And then we get a little bit discouraged when we still allow it to have a place. Just remember, sometimes things happen deep on the inside before the outside starts to uh, recognize there's been a change. It doesn't mean you failed. It doesn't mean there wasn't a, mirac a miraculous moment. It just means you're human, and it's taken a little while to work its way up from the surface. Peace comes from the inside anyway. So remember all that. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Father. Your word is true. We believe it. We believe we can apply it to our lives and see it work every time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, season of Advent. Advent means arrival. This is a season of expectation. The season of Advent, we celebrate the arrival of Jesus here on earth. And talking about peace, we can go to that very moment he arrived when the nation of Israel, his people, uh, anybody who had heard this prophecy of a Messiah coming, for the most part, probably 99% of them, maybe 100% of people who were looking for the Messiah expected the same thing. There was an 
evil regime. And I'm saying that, I mean, it was, I mean, there was, uh, Rome was in charge of most of the world. And this particular emperor basically had a God complex. And when he heard a prophecy that there was a Messiah about to be born, he told them, his soldiers, uh, kill all the children under two years old. So when I say evil regime, there was an evil regime in charge. This government was oppressing people and murdering people like nobody's business. And everybody who was believing for a Messiah had this thought. He's going to appear in front of everybody. He's going to have a sword. He's going to be wearing armor. He's going to march his way into the throne room. He's going to drive his sword through Caesar he, or through the emperor. He is going to take the government down on day one. And then he's going to spend the next few years just punishing everybody who was against us. It's going to be glorious, like the movie Gladiator or something. That's what they were expecting. They were expecting a savior that looked like Maximus or Braveheart or any hero from any one of these movies like that. They didn't have movies, but they had stories. That's what they were expecting. But instead, in a manger, surrounded by things you find in a manger, hay, Animals, animal waste, uh, quiet. It's night, so it's quiet. There's, there's not one thing to conquer in this town called Bethlehem in this manger is where he appears. Just like in a similar fashion to the way all of us made our grand appearance on this earth. Probably a little screaming, probably a little shouting. But then after all goes well, quiet. Mother, father looking into the eyes of their newborn, eventually getting some rest, but completely unassuming arrival of our Savior. And as he arrived on earth, there was an angel, and he showed up to a few shepherds, and here's what the angel declared, Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 14. Part of it has already been read here as Kyle and Elizabeth led us in the Advent reading. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. That's a great sentence. Just think about everything that's in that sentence. Fear not. Well, I'd like to apply that to my life. I bring you good tidings of great joy. I wouldn't mind operating in a little more joy which shall be to all people. That's pretty good right there. He didn't stop though. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this sign, this sign, this shall be a sign unto you. You'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So they're looking up in the sky. They see this angel. He's making this declaration. Then all of a sudden there's a lot of angels and they're all singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. A message straight from the throne room, a message straight from God. Do you know what was not happening on the earth in that moment? Peace. In this moment, as the angel declares peace on earth, there were children being murdered. There was an evil emperor 
just taking over people, stealing their money, taking land, wars. They didn't stop when the angel declared peace, but that was a word from God. So the first thing we're going to take from this verse is something I said at the very beginning of this service, but peace, if God says it, it's true. So when he says through the angels, when under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they're declaring peace on earth, goodwill towards men, they mean it. But what this means is that some of us have a wrong understanding of peace. We interpret peace to be the absence of war, the absence of evil things, the absence of strife, the absence of problems. When these problems leave, I'll have peace. When this war stops, I'll finally feel peace. When my phone stops sending me push notifications about everything that's happening all over the world, that if I allow it to give me anxiety, it will gladly do that. Then I'll have peace when all that stops. No, peace is not the absence of something. They were announcing the arrival of something. They were announcing the arrival of someone. They were announcing the arrival of Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, peace incarnate himself. Peace is not the absence of something. Peace is the presence of someone. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of Jesus. Jesus is peace. When he says peace on earth, goodwill towards men, peace had arrived. Peace had arrived with the presence of God on earth. In a manger. In a town that nobody cared about. He arrived without a sword and a shield. He arrived without physical power. He arrived and was completely at the mercy of the care of his mother and father. He couldn't do anything on his own. He had to learn to use his hands and, and walk and crawl around just like the rest of us. Sometimes we think when we got to do things on our own, when we have to go make things happen, that's, we're not having peace. I have to go do this. I have to do that. I got I, I, I to have all these responsibilities. But listen, peace is something you can have in the middle of all the day-to-day -day stuff. Peace is something you can have in the middle of intense stuff, like wars, government, like this government that was ruling with an iron fist and oppressing people. Peace is not the absence of something. Peace is the presence of someone. That someone is Jesus. And when he has our focus and our attention, we will also experience that peace on earth in the middle of every situation. Jesus was asleep in the boat during one of the storms that he calmed. I mean, he's sleeping on the boat in the middle of the storm. Let's just take that. I mean, the disciples went down and woke him up and he calmed the storm. But I mean, what if they would have just pulled up a blanket and slept, with, slept right there in the boat, right? I mean, that wasn't going down. Jesus was in the boat. They could have had as much peace as he did in the middle of that storm. But thank God he loves us so much that he saw how afraid they were. He got up. He calmed the storm. But peace was experienced in the middle of that storm, and then eventually the storm calmed. When Lisa was pregnant with Ava, there was a certain way we were believing that the birth would take place. We had read some books about uh, supernatural childbirth. We'd read some books about 
Um, actually, the book was called Supernatural Childbirth, and uh, it's a great it's a great book, and, and, and we were believing that it would all be natural, that, that Lisa, you know, water would break, she'd go into labor, we'd go to the hospital, and, and a few hours later, there'd be a baby. Things did not go as planned like happens a lot of times in life. Lisa's water wasn't breaking, she was two weeks overdue and ready. I know you mamas have probably all said this, like, I got to get this thing out of me. This is the end. It has to be the end. So we were talking about things like that. She went for a checkup and the doctor said, well, how about this? On April 16th, if you have not gone to labor, we're just going to induce. And we were young and didn't even know what that stuff meant. We just knew that's not what we were believing for. We were believing everything would just happen naturally. April 16th comes along and there's no baby. There's no labor. And we were, had our bags. We were loading the car up and Lisa looked at me and she said, this is not what we were believing. And I said, it's not too late. We're still believing. We're going to the hospital. It's all right. Let's just keep going. So we drove to the hospital. No labor. No water breaking. And we get to the hospital and they put us in a room. No labor. No water breaking. And it's about, I don't know, 8 or 9 o'clock. And, and uh, things just aren't happening. And obviously we're facing these thoughts, right? This is not what we're believing for. This is not what we felt like the Lord told us was going to happen. What's going on? But we put those thoughts away, and one of the ways we did it was I had my iPod. That's how long ago this was. There wasn't iPhones, there was iPods. We loaded those songs on that iPod on purpose, and we packed it. There was no, uh, more, no more room for other songs. This was before streaming. But our good friends, Charlie and Jill LeBlanc, we put a couple of their albums on that iPod, and uh, around the time they were about to start the process of inducing labor, I just put a worship song on, probably when our minds were racing the fastest because time was running down, time was running out. They were on their way, we're still believing, and we put on this worship song, and I'm telling you, the peace of God just filled up that room. Of course, it starts on the inside, and when your mind calms down, it feels like the room becomes very peaceful, but it put us at such peace. Lisa said, I'm, I'm going to go use the restroom before they come in. She stood up, and... The water broke. And it was during a song called Let It Flow. That's true. Peace flooded the hospital room, and then water flooded the hospital room. <laughs> and I got to tell you, uh, here's a little glimpse into my personality. My first thought was, this is actually the best case scenario. If it would have happened at home, that's a huge mess. Like, I was sitting there processing, who would have, I would have had to stay and clean this and just met Lisa at the hospital. Like, I didn't even have to clean it. Best case scenario, the water broke in the hospital room. The process started. And of course, uh, there was still plenty of moments after that where we had to, where we had to step into the peace and we had to recognize the presence of Jesus. I think Lisa's labor lasted, I mean, 17 or 18 hours or something. It was a long it was a long time, and there was plenty of moments where we could have gotten into fear and did a little bit, but kept going back to that place of peace. We kept putting on worship songs. We would encourage each other. At one point, Lisa looked at me and said, I think I just need my dad. Lisa's dad walks into the room. He goes, what's going on? She goes, I don't know. It's not going great. And he patted her on the head. He goes, it's all right, boy. You'll be all right. And I don't know, I looked over and she was completely fine after that. I was like, wait a minute, I've been telling you that for a long time. She's like, yeah, but you didn't pat my head and call me boy. That's all I needed. 
And then Ava made her arrival. That season of expectation, there was plenty of twists and turns. Things didn't go as planned. In fact, things didn't even go the way we know the Lord told us they would. Right? Right? I mean, how many times have we been there? Sometimes we, having free will, make decisions that take us away from the places the Lord told us that we would go. Sometimes we, he wasn't wrong, we were wrong, right? He didn't tell us something, uh, this is how it can be, and then, oh, Lord, you were wrong. No, we, whatever happened, I mean, there's no reason to go back and say, well, here's what we did wrong, right? We just, for some reason, we're not in that exact flow of what the Lord told us could happen, but we kept our peace. Ava showed up, it was great, it was beautiful, and I'm not positive she was two weeks late. She was only like five pounds, two ounces or something. Uh, but, but she showed up and we had to keep inviting the presence of Jesus into the moment. Peace in this case was not the absence of problems. It was not the absence of things going wrong. It was continually inviting the presence of Jesus into the moment. At one point it happened through worship music. At one point, it happened through encouraging each other. At one point, it happened by a dad coming in the room and saying, you'll be all right. That's why the Bible says we need each other, right? We need our brothers and our sisters. We need our spouses. We need our mothers and our fathers. And that doesn't just mean biological, right? If you're a father, you're not just a father to your children. You are a father. And there are times somebody younger than you, somebody that's not quite as far down the path as you, and this applies to spiritual mothers as well, need you to look at them and say, you're going to be all right. Just come on. Just keep moving. My mom did that for me this week. I was, uh, I was letting some stress in that I didn't need to let in. And my mom grabbed me and, and kind of brought me back into where I needed to be. And it was awesome. I needed it. I needed it. She had my attention, though. We were locked in a car together for like an hour. I couldn't get away. And, uh, and I needed that. So the question is, what has your attention? If it's not Jesus, if it's not his word, if it's not things that are good and, and pleasant, we're going to get to this verse here in a second that tells us what kind of things to keep our attention on. What has your attention? If it is not Jesus, if it's not his word, chances are you experience, you encounter the exact same fear and anxieties this world does. Because that's what separates us from this world, right? Jesus. That's it. That's the only requirement. We're no better than anybody else, right? Do we not have the same faults and failures as people in the world? Do we not still have the same sometimes bad decisions they make? What separates us from anybody else? It's only Jesus. It's only him. It's only the fact that we have said yes to the spotless lamb who is worthy, which makes us worthy. That's it. That is the only reason. So what has our attention? Isaiah 26, verse 3, this was written physically before Jesus, but this is a prophecy. Uh, Isaiah, all, all, all the books, all the chapters of Isaiah almost are, are prophetically talking about Jesus and the time we live in right now. But Isaiah 26, 3 is, says this, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth, trusteth thee. Regular English, you want peace in your mind, keep your mind fixed on Jesus. Keep your mind fixed on the word. You'll keep him in perfect peace. Lord, why, why aren't I experiencing peace? Here's your answer. You got your mind on everything else. 
And it's not that you need to ignore things. We've got to take care of stuff. You need to do your job well. You've got to take care of your household. Your kids are going to need at least three meals a day. I don't, how do they eat so many meals every day? Judah is 13. I think he eats seven or eight meals a day. They get a meal after school, and then they eat again two hours later at dinner. And somehow Lisa has bought into this. They come home, and I'm like, what is this kitchen like this for? And she's like, oh, the kids needed their, their, their after school. Uh, snack. I'm like, this is a meal. There's like four courses here. And this is what they're eating at 3.30. And what are we having for dinner? We had leftovers. We had afternoon dinner leftovers for actual dinner. Because that's where we're at now in life with two teenagers. But I like them a lot. They're really good teenagers. They're great kids. They both got awards at our volunteer banquet. Uh, they are great kids. Where is your attention? Because if you want perfect peace, here's your answer. Keep your mind stayed on Jesus. It's that simple. Can it be that simple? Yes. I've been asking this question a whole lot in the past year. Has your very complicated way to find peace worked for you yet? If it hasn't, try the simple method. Keep your mind stayed on Jesus. Keep your mind stayed on him. I'm going to tell you how we can do that in a second, right? I'm not just going to leave you hanging and say, just do it. We're going to talk about some ways to do that. But I do believe it's that simple. And let me tell you why. Revelation 12:11 says, They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. So a, a little interpretation of this we overcome by the blood of the lamb the word of our testimony and then there's this other part knowing that death isn't the end having peace knowing that worst case scenario we die we still get to live at peace forever with jesus that's pretty good and that becomes very very real when you lose somebody who's close to you you start thinking about eternity and you think okay i've lost my dad but in a million years from now the few years that we're not apart here on earth will just be less than a blink of the eye that becomes a very very real hope if you allow it to after you've lost somebody we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony that is one of the reasons why keeping our minds stayed on Jesus keeps us at peace. Because as we keep our mind on Jesus, one of the many things that we'll be reminded of is testimony. Testimony, not even just our own, but yes, our own. If you have been a believer for any amount of time, you already have some testimonies built up. If nothing else, you remember the day you said yes to Jesus, the day all the darkness in your life turned into light, the day you knew my eternal place with him is secure. That's the biggest testimony any of us will ever have, and that's how every one of our salvations begin, is that realization. If you've been a believer for any length of time, you have testimonies of the time there was not a lot. The bank account didn't have plenty, but somehow you made it through. A miracle happened or something happened and you made it. You have a testimony of the time your, your grandmother was praying for you and you saw a miracle. The time you prayed for somebody and you saw a miracle. You have testimonies and as you remember them, and, and especially as you share them, but as you remember them, those testimonies begin to encourage you from the inside out. And you remember, okay, I've been in this boat before and Jesus just woke up and calmed the storm. 
this storm and this boat are not going to take away my peace. It's already been taken care of. I've seen it before. I'm going to see it again. But this is something I want you to remember today and go home. If you're a believer, you don't just have to yourself, your own personal testimonies. As a believer, you inherit the testimony of every saint and believer that has gone before you. You inherit the testimonies of Daniel in the lion's den. And when you're in the middle of a, 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 of a lion's den and you got, you got things roaring at you in your face and you got the world shouting that you're not gonna make it and this is the end or whatever it is, you can remember your testimony of the time Daniel was in the lion's den and the angels of the Lord shut the lion's mouth. And he came out the next morning just fine. But not just the testimonies from the Bible. You can remember, and the Lord will remind you, of, of your friends, your loved ones' testimonies. And that should encourage you just as much because those testimonies belong to you just as much as they belong to anybody else. You've all heard the story about Lisa and I just now finding peace in the middle of the storm when Ava was being born, right? That's your testimony. That's your testimony. Why? How does it work like that? Because God is no respecter of persons, and he doesn't do something for somebody that he won't do and hasn't done for somebody else. That's from Acts chapter 10, verse 34 through 36. Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. God shows no favoritism. He's not looking at me and saying, ooh, I'll do this for BJ. He preached really good today. That's good news because there's weeks I don't feel like that. And, and if that was the case, then I'd have some, some weeks where God wasn't providing and showing me favor and some weeks he was. But he doesn't show favoritism and say, ooh, uh, Andrew Womack, man, that guy's doing some great stuff on this earth. I'm going to give him everything he's ever wanted and doesn't do the same for you. Favor of the Lord is not something we earn individually based on our actions. Favor from God is something that we all have because of Jesus, just like you have peace, joy, love because of Jesus, you have favor. You're just as favored as I am. You're just as favored as Andrew Womack. You're just as favored as Billy Graham. God was not up in heaven doing things for Billy Graham that he hasn't done for you. Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism in every nation. He accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel. And there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. There's that word again. There is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. No favoritism based on your nationality. No favoritism based on the color of your skin. No favoritism based on the language you speak. The nation who uh, you own citizenship with. Favor from God is not based on any doing of man. Favor from God is a free gift we have through Jesus and the testimony of Ashley and Carly Terades about Hannah, their daughter being born three years into her life, having never eaten solid food. They were just here a few months ago. Go listen to their message. Look up Hannah's testimony. It will encourage you so much because Andrew Womack prayed for her. They went to one of his meetings and, and 
He said, uh, they said nothing happened. It wasn't like lightning came down from heaven. She looked the same as she did, malnourished, looked like she was close to death. In fact, she was. She was sent home from the hospital to die. And uh, Andrew prayed and said, listen, your daughter's been healed. They said, what do you mean? She still looks sick. And he said, that's something that happens on the inside. What, what, what could she do if she was healed that she can't do while she's sick? They said, eat solid food. So they found a Kentucky Fried Chicken in northern London. And they ate Kentucky Fried Chicken that night. And it was the first time she held down food for her entire life. And talk about special Lisa and Ava Joe were in Colorado Springs just a couple months ago sitting at Hannah's wedding and watched her walk down the aisle. And now she's got a baby due in March. And 18 or 15 years ago, she hadn't eaten solid food and was laying on her deathbed. That is your testimony. That's your testimony because if God did it for Hannah, he's done it for you. And what God did for David in the fields in his life, he'll do for you and he has done for you. The testimonies of the church as a whole, globally, belong to every one of us. It is our inheritance. It's a part of our inheritance. Sadly, sadly, there's a lot of believers that allow somebody else's testimony to lead them to jealousy. And that's how the enemy steals it from you. That's how he steals the joy. And sometimes your own testimony that's just waiting for you to celebrate what's happened instead of going down the path of jealousy. That's what the enemy wants to turn it into. Why did God do it for them and not for you? Why are they seeing things succeed and you're not? Well, this is their story and you have your own story. And maybe things aren't going to happen for you the exact way they've happened for somebody else. In fact, things will not happen for you the exact way they've happened for somebody else. You're not called to do what somebody else is doing. You're called to do what only you can do. The world does not need another one of them. The world needs you. You are anointed. You are, are anointed with, uh, and have been, have been given vision and special talents and abilities to do what only you can do here on this side of eternity. And when I see somebody else and maybe what they're doing looks a little bit like what I feel like I'm called to do. Here's what the enemy says. Why? Why them and not you? Let's get jealous. And then we have a chance to either say no to that and celebrate their testimony, which belongs to you as much as it does to them. God did it for them. He'll do it for me. Right? Or we have a chance to go down that path. But I'm telling you, that's how the enemy steals those moments from you that's how he keeps you being held back from those steps that will allow you to begin to walk in those things God has called you to walk in and say no to it jealousy envy and that stuff is the opposite of the peace on the inside as I go to Jesus and keep my mind stayed on him I will remember that when I see somebody else's success when I see their testimony boy that's mine too and instead of letting my mind go to unpeaceful, anxious jealousy, my mind begins to celebrate. And on the inside, I'm experiencing joy and peace like never before. And then all of a sudden, I'm living those words from Isaiah. He's keeping an, my mind at perfect peace as it stays on him. Man, that's really good. Man, that's your testimony as much as it is anybody else's. So here's what's happening 
Jesus is born, he is peace incarnate, and as believers, we have an invitation into his peace at all times, right? It's an invitation because nothing is forced on us. God is not a God that forces things on us. You have an invitation as a believer to walk in perfect peace at all times. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, so I'm not going to stay on this long, right? This is closing here in the next few minutes, but here's where we read two weeks ago. I'm going to read it again. It's Paul again from a prison in Philippians 4. A few weeks ago, we called this the prescription for peace. So if you were here, you will remember this first part. But here's what Paul says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. That's step one. Tell God what you need. That's step two. Thank him for all he's done. That is step three. Then you will experience God's peace. That's your result. And here's the side effects. That peace exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your heart. So I guess you could say it causes a little confusion. I don't know. That peace is greater than anything you can understand, but it's the good kind of confusion. That's the kind of side effect this has, right? It exceeds whatever you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you keep, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Okay, so like I said, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the prescription for peace. But today, I want to tell you why, why it works. It's not just magic. It is not quite as simple. I mean, it is as simple, but I'm going to tell you some behind the scenes, like under the surface. We know the medicine will help us feel better. There's a reason, right? It's fighting the virus, whatever on the inside of us. Here's the reason this prescription allows your mind and heart to stay guarded by peace. Because this prescription is not a pill you take. It's an invitation into conversation and relationship with Jesus. That's what this is. Don't worry about anything. Tell God what you need. Pray about it and thank him for what he's done. Do you think God needs to know what we need? I mean, do you think he needs us to be like, hey, I got a bill coming up, right? Uh, I need some money. He knows we have bills coming up. Hey, uh, I'm not feeling too great today. I don't know if you noticed uh, but my, I'm a little, snot, a little snotty, uh, my back hurts. I don't know. I, I, do you think he needs us to tell him that? Like, my kids don't have to tell me when they don't feel good. I can see it all over them, right? The, the times that's happened, especially when they were younger, I mean, you, you can see it, you know it. And God knows so much more than us. He doesn't necessarily need us to say, these are my needs, right? But this is an invitation into conversation. And if you read the story of Jesus, there was so many times he invites his followers, his loved ones, into conversation, including in John 15, 15. He tells the disciples, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. So he's saying you're my friends because I confide in you. I tell you what the Father has told me. Conversation, relationship makes them friends. 
And in conversation and relationship with Jesus, you won't be able to help but to think about things that are good, pure, lovely, admirable. How can I just make myself think of those things? You don't have to make yourself. When you're in conversation with a good friend, do you make yourself think of the funny things that you guys laugh about? Or do you just start laughing? Do you just start talking about things you've experienced in life and goofing off? Right? Do you talk about things that are important to you? Do you make yourself, I need to open up to this person? Or do you just naturally begin to open up to the people who are closest to you? We have an invitation here into conversation. And it's not so much that God needs us to say, this is what I need. I'm worried about this. No, we need to go to him and start a conversation. And here's the things about our conversations with the Lord. And you can call it prayer if you want, because that's a great word for conversation. A lot of times we say the word amen at the end. And we think that the word amen means prayer over. Amen, like a period. It does not. The word amen is an agreeing word. It means so be it. We say amen, that means so be it. That's why we say it when somebody is preaching good. You say amen, so be it, so be it to me, right? It's not the end of a prayer. But a lot of times as believers, we think we say amen, the prayer's over. Now I'm going to go do whatever else I want to do. I said amen, now I'm going to watch TV. I said amen, now I'm going to go to work. I said amen, now I'm going to go on with my life. And it begins to compartmentalize our conversation and prayer with the Lord. But you know what I've noticed since text came out? It's like text, how long, how old is text now? Like 10 years? Like I'm probably older but like all people do is text now. Like I, I know somebody, when you call them and it goes to their voicemail, it literally says, when you hear the sound of the beep, hang up and send me a text message. That's like people, you don't even want, who even wants messages anymore, right? Like when you hear the sound of the beep, not leave a message, it says hang up and send me a text, right? Texts are the way we communicate. But how many of you, like me, have a text thread with friends and basically the conversation never ends? Right? You don't need to send a little text that says, hello, incoming funny gift coming, and start a conversation, then send the funny gift. No, you're just sitting around one day, and you get, you know, a funny thing sent to you. The conversation never stops, right? You call somebody. It, it's, when they're close to you, it's not even that time when you have to catch up and, and catch up on life. You're already called up. You just jump in to the conversation. It is not necessarily a conversation that ends. It just keeps going. Yet we say amen at the end of our prayers and we think, all right, conversation with the Lord over. Prayer time over. Time to move on with life. We have an invitation into an endless text thread conversation with the Lord that will keep us at peace because within that conversation, if we don't talk about the things that are good, admirable, worthy of praise, there's somebody else on the other side of the conversation that will bring those things up. His name is Jesus. It's peace incarnate. That's who he is. Joy incarnate. And if we're not bringing those things up in the conversation, he will. He will. He'll say, hey, you're upset, you're worried. Remember the time I took care of you when this happened. Remember the story that you've heard since you were a kid, right? David was in front of a giant and I was with him the whole time. And he took him down. Remember the story that your mom told you when you were younger. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in a fire, but they didn't get burned. And it didn't even smell like smoke. 
you're in the middle of a fire right now. But not only are you going to avoid burns, when you get to the other side, you're not even going to have the smell of smoke. People aren't even going to look at you and say, oh boy, you've been through it. No, they're going to look at you. And when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came on the other side, when they came out of the fire on the other side, they were given more authority than they'd ever had. When you get past the fire that you're in the middle of, not only will people not be able to tell you've been through a fire because of the smell of smoke. No, they'll say, where did you, where did you start? Uh, where, where did this confidence come from? Where did all this peace you're operating in come from? Where is this joy coming from? Do you not know what's happening in the world? Do you not know what's going on right now? Do you not know about inflation? Because you're acting like you don't know about inflation. And you're going to say, no, I know all about inflation, but that does not control me. I know about the issues in the world, but they aren't allowed to give me anxiety or, or fear anymore. Do you know what fear is at the root? Think about what fear is. Fear stems from you or me looking at something and believing that something has more power than you and is stronger than you. That's, what, that's the basics of fear. I'm afraid because this has more power than me. I'm not as strong as this thing I'm looking at. We see things that maybe have more power, maybe they're bigger than us, and we think, oh man, what if that is not out for my good? I mean, in David's case, there was a giant bigger than him saying the words, I will take you down and your whole country. But that's where fear starts. I don't have as much power as this thing I'm looking at. That is why fear of the Lord is a very powerful thing. It's not like the fear this world pushes. Because when we look to Jesus, when we look to God with, with fear at the basis, you are more powerful. You are bigger than me. Yet we know through his word and through our experience and our testimony, he's a God that is for us not against us. He's a God who is out for our good, not our bad. He's a loving father who picks us up when we fall down and says, keep moving forward. Then our fear is not followed with the anxiety of not only are you more powerful than me, you might harm me. No, that part goes away. You're more powerful than me and you're for me. And then the fear isn't filled with anxious thoughts of run away, uh, anxious thoughts that, that fill up our mind with, 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 with all the worst things. Sometimes we try to get rid of fear, and really we don't need to get rid of it. We just need to place our fear in the right place. Another time when Jesus calmed a storm happens in the book of Mark, and I'm closing with this, so uh, band, you guys can come on back up. But in Mark chapter 4, 39 through 41, Jesus, wake up. He woke up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped. There was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? This is great. They're afraid of the storm. They're afraid of the wind. They're afraid of the waves. This storm is bigger than me. This storm is not out for my good. This storm has more power than me and might harm me. Fear. Jesus calms the storm, and here's where we pick up. The disciples were absolutely terrified. Not of the storm. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. Notice their fear didn't go away. Their fear moved to the right place. 
they realized there was somebody in the boat who was bigger and more powerful than the big powerful storm they were afraid of. And their fear moved to the one who was only for them, who was out for their good, and who protected them from the storm. Fear of the Lord is a whole lot more explained by the words maybe awe and reverence. But it has that same root. You're bigger. You're more powerful. Fear isn't all of a sudden negative. But the enemy's side of fear leads to anxiety. It leads to anxious thoughts. The enemy's side of fear, this is bigger than me, this is more powerful than me, leads to us cowering down and allowing fear and anxiety to cripple us. Sometimes we isolate. Sometimes we pull back from our community, from our family. Sometimes we get quiet. But when we say yes to the invitation and enter a constant communion with the Lord, a constant conversation, you don't always have to bow down and, and hold your hands together and close your eyes. That's great. You know, we, we, we encourage people to do that to eliminate distractions, right? You don't have to do those things. You don't have to always go to your prayer closet. It's great to have a prayer closet. It's great, but don't stop the conversation when you leave the prayer room. Keep the conversation going. Talk to the Lord like He's been with you the whole time because He has. And as He directs the conversation to those things that are good, admirable, worthy to be praised, you will experience His peace in every situation. When we continually look to Him and see His hand overcome, see the testimonies that He has done in our lives, our friends' lives, throughout the Word that we have written right here, we will recognize, oh, you are actually the one who's the most powerful. You actually are the one who's bigger than not only me, but everything else. And when that fear is locked in on Him, there'll be no more room to look at the storm around us and say, ooh, I'm going to put a little bit of fear here. Because when we realize just how good, just how big, that His very words brought forth all of creation. His words. Do you know that there's scientists can't figure out why atoms stay together? Like, there's no scientific explanation of why these atoms all stay together. Because you know what, what happens if an atom splits? It's called an atomic bomb. It's an explosion like no other. But there's something out there, a force that science can't explain that holds every atom together. Every atom that creates your body right now, everything is created from atoms. The atoms in this floor, the atoms in these walls, the atoms in here, right here, your, everything. And they can't say, oh, this is why they stick together. But the very Word of God created and holds the entire world together. His Word is the most powerful force in existence. It's bigger than the storm. It's bigger than the fiery furnace. It's bigger than the lion's den. It's bigger than our lack. It's bigger than inflation. It's bigger than wars. It's bigger than rumors of wars. It's bigger than government. In fact, the government rests upon the shoulders of the one who spoke the very world into existence.
peace arrived on earth with Jesus. And in the presence of everything that happens here on this earth, as we recognize his presence in our life, we can experience that peace. And it does not matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what anything else says or how big it is. He's bigger. He's bigger. And he's on your side. He is for you. When everything else feels like it's against you, he is for you. Say, he is for me. Say it with me. You ready? He is for me. Let's say it again. He is for me. Let's just say the whole verse. You ready? Let's repeat after me. If God is for me, who can be against me? Who can be against me? No one. Say it. Say no one. No one. Nobody. Nobody. He's bigger. He's bigger and he's on the inside of you. He is peace in the middle of any storm. And he is not withholding. He's not withholding that peace from you. He's not withholding that joy. It's as much a part of you. It's as much a part of you as the very hairs on your head, even more. As the very heart that beats in your chest, even more. Because when the heart stops beating, his peace is still just as real. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. You don't have to end the conversation with him. Amen does not mean the prayer is over. Walking out of the prayer room doesn't mean the prayer is over. Invite him into every moment. Keep a conversation with him going. You'll recall the testimonies and you'll overcome through those testimonies in the blood of the Lamb. You will begin to think upon those things that Paul wrote in the second half of that verse that are good, pleasant, worthy of praise. And if you're not the one thinking of them and bringing them up, he will. It's a two-sided conversation. And remember the words from Isaiah, as we keep that conversation going, as we keep that text thread going, his peace will guard our hearts. His peace will guard our minds in every situation, in every season. No matter what the doctor says, no matter what the bank account says, no matter what the news says, no matter what the neighbor says. Peace. Let's all stand together and respond to the word with a few moments of worship.